Gemara, Moed Katan Davav, the Masikr has been dedicated by our good friend, uh, Mr. Martin Arani, in the Fuash of Harav, Bitzalel Ben Mazal Tov. And we're actually beginning on the top of the Amud on Daf Vav. And the Gemara begins, Vidilma Tum Amigavai, Vidilanot Bibarai. So we're talking about over here where a person walks by a field. And he sees that there's trees. So therefore, and there's a, there's a marker. So therefore, we have to assume that the whole field is filled with tum'ah. And therefore, one has to be concerned. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Dilma tum'ah megavai. Maybe the tum'ah is on the inner side of the field. And the trees are on the border. Because last, yesterday we ended the daf saying there's trees on the border. So why, why does it necessarily mean that the trees are the border, and then inside the trees, that's where the Tumah is. Maybe the Tumah is behind the trees. So the Gemara comes along and says, Talking over here, where the trees are scattered all over the field. Okay, so once you learn that, that means they had to plow the whole field. Then she comes along and says, For sure, they must have plowed the entire field. On account of the Ilanot, and once they plowed the entire field, so now it's considered a Sadeh Shenecherash Ba Keber. Another answer the Gemara says, Ha Amran En Marchikin Siyun Mimakom Tum'ah. We learned in yesterday's doubt that when they make a Siyun, this marker, they're not allowed to distance the marker from the, from the location where the Tum'ah is. Why should Lola have seed at Erich Israel? You know, because we don't want to cause uh, certain part, parts of Erich Israel and the extra parts, let's say, of Erich Israel to be out of use. So that we put the marker as close as the Tum'ah. So since the marker basically was found next to the tree, so therefore we can be assumed that the grave was around there. And therefore they must have plowed the grave and therefore as a dean of Sadeh Shenehirash. That is the. Uh, that is the interpretation that she says. Very good. Nabiuda, he came along and said, if you remember in the Braita, which means you have to ask, is a Ken, an old guy, or Talmid Hakam, and they can tell you whether it was plowed or not. Don't, don't, don't rely on the trees. You got to ask somebody who knows. Not everybody's an expert, only certain people. What do you learn from this? When you have a Tamil Hakam, even a young Tamil Hakam that's in the city, all the matters of the city are upon him to know. Which means he's got to know everything. He's got to know was this place plowed. He's got to know the kashrut to the restaurants. He has to know what the mikveh is. He has to know the yeshiva. He has to know everything. Which means he cannot only know, you know, the limited things that he needs for his, uh, you know, his bet Knesset. He's got to be aware. The, 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 whenever we learn this Gemara, of course, our great master, Rabbi Hambaruch Baruch comes to mind. He knew everything in the city. He knew every family. He knew where they came from. And he knew all the goings on. So if any time you have a question, you went to him. He didn't only know the things that he had to teach. Uh, all the matters of the city are on him, so therefore you could ask him. I'm out of Yehuda. Now we get into some uh, technical cases of markers, the laws of markers. I'm out of Yehuda. Matzah even Metsuyenit. And you find a rock, 
and the rock has a marker on it. They used to make these markers with limestone, as we learned. Tahteha tameh. So then you assume that directly under the stone, that's where the tumah is. Rashi. You don't have to put the tziyun and distance it. Normally we said you have to put the tziyun far away from the tumah. What was the whole reason? The reason why we didn't want to, we have to put the tziyun at a little distance so the people don't walk over the tumah. But a rock is elevated, so nobody's going to walk over the tumah. So therefore you can put the marker exactly on the spot. And that's what Ashish says over there. Um, no problem of him walking over the rock. Being that it's elevated, he will definitely see it. Therefore, we have no problem. So again, when you see a tziyun on a rock itself, you have to assume that the tumah is underneath the rock itself. Shtayim, let's say I found two rocks. So now it depends. If there's seed in between the two rocks, so benehem tameh. So then the area in between the uh, Marker is going to be Tameh. The im and seed benehem, but if there's no line between the stones, benehem tahor, the area between them is going to be tahor. Rashi, shetayim mitsuyanot, tahtehen tameh, abal benehem, im yes seed benehem ala aris tameh, demishum tsiyunu. Exactly, so when you see two of them that are mitsuyanot, for sure tahtehen tameh, under the rock itself, is for sure tameh. The question is what about in between them? So im yes seed benehem ala aris, then it's tameh. And that's why they, they, they put the, uh, the seed uh, in between, the, in the, in between the, uh, the rocks. So now the Gebarah comes along and says, So the Gebarah is asking that even though there's no indication that there was any plowing between the stones, which means when you see two rocks and you see uh, limestone on the rocks, so therefore, shouldn't you assume that there's automatically tum'ah in between over there? Which means that the Gebarah is saying that, well, look at that she, Exactly, when there's no limestone. She says, oh, no limestone, tahor. What do you mean? Even though it wasn't plowed? Since you have two rocks, and on the rocks there's limestone, even though you don't have anything in between, we should say, since it's not plowed, maybe there's tum'ah in between. And we have a we have a we have a bright that to support that. If you find one rock that has tziyun on it, directly underneath it is tameh. Now we get to our case. You found two mark stones, so now we judge it like this. If there's an indication that was plowing in between the two stones, because they plowed it, and therefore they plowed them in. So therefore, that's the judgment. The judgment is whether it was plowed or not, not whether there was limestone or not. So the Gebarah comes along and says, Amara Papa, the case that the Braita is talking about, whether it was Taluyan plowing or not, we're talking about where the lime was poured on the stones, and then it, you know, it dripped off the, uh, off the stones, and now you see it, in between the uh, the stones themselves, the limestone. So now the question is like this. Now we need to judge what is this limestone. Is this limestone a real uh, a marker for Tum'ah or not? So if you see Chodesh Benehem, if there's an indication that there was plowing, so then we're going to say what? Benehem Tahor. 
uh, we'll say that it's Tahor. That's why they plowed in between. They wouldn't plow it if there was a met. So it must be, that's a sign that there's nothing there. Now, the Imur, Mahabat Choreshu, the Iklat. But you see some limestone in between? No, when they were plowing, some of the lime must have chipped off the rocks and therefore created like a thin a marker in between. But it's not a marker of Tumah. The plowing caused the chipping of the limestone off the rocks and therefore... Uh, it's not a real indication. The ilah, but if the land was not plowed, then seed the benibinil. Then, it, then we have to take it as limestone. Vetame, and indeed it's going to be tame. So if we look at Ashi, haka diktani kileka horesh tame kegon seed shafuch al rashi abanim. It's spilled on the abanim. This seed umrudea lekanu lekam, and it's dripping, or it's you know pieces are falling from both sides. Benim. Okay, now say have a field. Let's say on one side of the field, on the border, on the boundary, they made a tziyun. So that means that just that area where the tziyun is tamer, but the rest of the field is going to be uh, tahor. Fine. Now, what are these, uh, uh, the Mepharshim say over here, that in the, uh, in the times of the Gemara, uh, they used to have what's called uh, these, um, uh, these uh, border, uh, in order to border around the field, so people would know you know, whose property is whose. So we're talking about over here, actually an elevated boundary they're saying over here, like the Gemara teaches us in Baba Batra. So you have an elevated boundary on one side of the field, and there's also a tiyun of lime on it. So since only one side was marked, so that is mashma that the Tumah is on that side. And since it's elevated, you don't have to put it further away, because the people will see it. You always have to ask yourself a question. Why, whenever we say the Tumah is underneath, hey, how can you put Tumah underneath? Don't you got to distance it so the people will have time to see it? And the explanation is, if it's elevated, they'll see it. And therefore, there's no problem. So on an elevated boundary around the field that you see Mitsuyan, that it's limed, you assume that the Tumah is dafka underneath the elevated boundary and not anywhere else. Same thing if, let's say, two of the fields, boundaries, have this line. Only the boundaries. Same thing. All three are going to be Tamer, and the rest of the field is Torah. Arba is the opposite now. Now, basically, the guy made line on all four sides of the borders. That indicates... They are tahor, and now whatever's in between them, namely the field, is going to be temeah. And therefore, they didn't put it too far away, so they put basically a, um, a border around the field, and therefore, the tumah must be close. That's the way says it comes to explain why when all the four boundaries are marked, the entire field is deemed tameh. So we are not supposed to distance the marker from the tum'ah 
One must assume that the Tameh Eri begins from the very inner edge of the marker and not deeper in the field. Thus, one cannot cross over the boundary at all without becoming Tameh. Because they must have put it, you know, close. They can't put it so far. And therefore, all four shows that the Tumah is inside. Okay? Let's get out of the Tumah subject. Let's go back to Kalayim. So what do we say? They used to send out the Shalichim of Betin on Cholamoed, Pesach, in order to inspect fields to make sure that the people are not growing Kilayim. Kilayim is the mixture. So the Gemara says, wait, is that when they go out? Do they go out in Cholamoed? Urminu. We have a contradiction. We learned this already. The last Mishnah in Megillah, we learned it. And the last uh, Limud. Be'ahad be'adar, anosh chodesh adar, mashmi'im, ala shekanim, ba'ala kil'ayim. That they made an announcement to Sanhedrin regarding shekanim and regarding kil'ayim. Ba'hamisha asarbo, and on the 15th, kor'in etam Megillah be'kerachim. They read the Megillah in the walled cities. And the Bedin sends out their people to clean the roads from thorns and to repair the roads from the rainy season. And to measure the mikvaot to make sure they have 40 se'ah. And for that matter, all public needs. And they make tziyun kibarot. So here it says that they're going out on the Kilaim on the 15th of Adar. You just told me they don't go out till a month later, till Cholam Moed Pesach. So make up your mind, when do the agents go out to check the Kilaim? Is it on Cholam Moed Pesach or is it on the 15th of Adar? Or it might be both. Rabbi El-Azar, Rabbi Yosef Al-Hanina, Had Amar, Kan Bebakhir, Kan Be'afil. Right? So the Mishnah, there's two crops. So you have the early crop, and then you have the late crop. So the early crop, where the, the, the Shalichim already can see what's going on, they go out on the 15th of Adar. The late crop, they don't go out until Pesach. The Hadamar, Kan Bizra'im, Kan Be'yirakot. Now the answer is, one Mishnah is talking about uh, uh, grains, and one is talking about vegetables. So grains, they plant early in the winter. And therefore, you can, exp- you can start the inspection in Adar. Vegetables are planted later, and therefore you're not going to see anything until Chola Mo'ed Pesach. Very good. Now, Rashi over here has a question. Look at Rashi, Dibura Matkil, Ve'et Mikva'ot Amayim. So it said uh, in the Mishnah Megillah, that they used to go out on the 15th of Adar and do all these things. Check out the roads, and fix the roads, and fix the mikvaot. Mikvaot ha'mayim shal mem se'ah shchotetim otam mena zevah, they take out the garbage from the mikvaot, shenechnas tatokam kol yimot ha'geshamim. V'haydeh lo parich nami begemara ashar matnitin. Netanim metakrim ha'derechim v'arachobot becholos shal mo'ed, v'akatani betit v'abadar. Which means, why don't you ask from all the other things? Stira. Amishna said you do all these roads on cholam mo'ed. And here it's saying, you do it on the 15th of Adar. Why are you only asking from Kilayim? Ask from all the other cases. So he says, Mishum, the Lapircha, what's not a question? The Bedinu, the Metakrim, the Uterezim, there. 
It's, we have no problem to fix it twice. You fix it on the two ba'adar, but a month later, the rain comes down again and ruins them. You have to fix it again. Once already you uprooted it on Hamishah Asar Be'adar, why do you got to go again? It was planted already. It was uprooted. Which is these, there's certain things we have no problem to go out twice. But Kil'ayim, once you did it, you did it. So therefore the Gemara is asking, once you did it on Hamishah Asar Be'adar, what do you got to do it on Cholom Moshil Pesach? And of course the Gemara comes along and answers the two answers. But now the Gemara says, Amar, Nabi Ase, Amar Yohanan. He comes along and says, Lo shanu ela she'en nitzan Nikar. That when do we say that the inspectors have to go out, you know, 15th of Adar and Cholamu'ed Pesach? That's only talking about if the sprouts are not recognizable before those dates. Well, obviously, if the sprouts are not recognizable, then there's no purpose for them to go there. They're not going to see anything. So the only reason why we said uh, these dates is if they can see something. Aval, Nitzan Nikar. But if the sprouts are recognizable, then they can go out right away. They don't got to wait for these dates. So it sounds like that these dates are specific. We're telling the agents you must go on the 15th of Adar and Chola Moed Pesach. Why specifically Chola Moed? I mean, why make them go work on Chola Moed? Either go before or go after. I mean, it's much more that this was a, just like the 15th of Adar is a specific date. Chola Mo'ed is a specific date. Why would you tell them to go work on, on, on Chola Mo'ed? So the Gemara comes along and says, the Gemara says, no, there's a reason why we established the main checking on Chola Mo'ed. Amar Abi Yaakov, Amar Abi Hanan, Mishum Sechar Pe'ula, the Moslu Gaban. Oh, we could, we could find cheap, cheap labor, which means nobody's working on Cholam Mo'ed. So therefore, you, could, you know, there's a lot of workers there that they'll do anything just to make a few bucks. <coughs> so therefore, it becomes uh, beneficial for us to hire cheap labor on Cholam Mo'ed. So the Gemara says, oh, now we can figure out who's paying for this. Amar b'zvid when you're paying these inspectors, it must be coming from the Beit HaMikdash, from the treasury. And therefore you're being very careful how to spend the community money. Because if you think that we're paying it from, the own, from, from, from their own pocket, which means uh, uh, the people themselves have to pay for it, meaning when, when, when you go inspect their fields for Kilayim, you send them the bill. So therefore, if the, if, if, if the violators are paying for it, what do I care how much they pay? Let them pay uh, full price. I'm not, I'm not looking to, to give the violators a reduction. So therefore, from the fact that we're looking to try to get a good price for these inspectors, must be that the community pays for it from the treasury. And that's why we are, uh, again, doing this on Chola Mo'ed. Now the Gemara comes along and says, Okay, how much kilayim do they have to see in a field that will mandate them to uproot it? What's the shi'ud? So Yorah says, Amar Shemuel bar Yitzchak, ki otach sharinu, where we learned it in the Mishnah, kol se'ah, sheyesh ba, rova azera mamin acher, any se'ah that has a rova, a quarter of a kav, 
of the different species mixed into it, so therefore, which is basically one twenty-fourth of a se'ah, that's going to be the shi'ur. You have a se'ah. If one twenty-fourth of that se'ah is mixed up, another, uh, another seed, another species, yema'et, so then already it must be reduced. Rashi says, yema'et, she'im zara' roba ha'kav, yema'atenu v'ya'kerenu. So then already you have to minimize. Now how do you uh, minimize it? So you pull it out. So that's the shoe that the inspectors are looking for. So the Gibraltar says, wait, you tell me that the inspectors come along and they uproot stuff? But we learned in the Braita. That when the inspectors came and they see that a field has kilayim, they didn't uproot anything. They just made the whole field hefker. They declared it ownerless. And therefore... Uh, that's it. So the Gebra says, La kashya. Kan kodem takana, kan ahar takana. It all depends what time we're talking about. Before the uh, decree or after the decree. But what was the, what was the takana that they made? The tanya. Barishona hayu okrin o mashtikim nefne behemtam. Initially, the inspectors, they would come. If they saw kilayim, they would uproot the kilayim and then throw it in front of the animals of the owners. You have to know kilayim is not forbidden to have benefit from it. It's not a So therefore, uh, it's very nice. What was happening? Beautiful. They had a double simha, the ba'le batim. Why? Number one, they're getting free, free gardening service. Because the inspectors are coming, pulling out the kilayim. Uh, Basically, that's uh, causing their field to grow. It's, it's called nikush, taking out the weeds. And... Okay, they get free food for their animals. So everything works out. It's a great, great, great deal. So he says, you know what? We're, we're rewarding these sinners. You know what? We're going to uproot it, but we're going to throw it out in the, field, in, the, in the streets. So at least the animals will not be able to benefit. Okay, so instead of having two semachot, they were still happy. For the free gardening service, because again, their fields were getting uh, weeded. So they made a new takana, they said, that's it. We're, 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 we're making the whole field ownerless, and therefore nobody can benefit from anything. So therefore there was two, uh, was two, um, two times of this takana. The original time, which Amishnah is talking about, that they were okay. And then they were putting in front of the animals, and later time when they made their enactment. Okay, we go on to the next Mishnah. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Moshkim etamayim me'ilan le'ilan. So you're able to divert water from one tree to another tree. So as long as you don't water the entire field. Plants, let's say, that you didn't water them. On a regular basis before the Chag, lo yeshkem b'moed. You don't water them on the moed. They say you can water them regardless. You look at Ashi, Moshkin Hamayim Meilan Leilan. Because trees, if you remember, we learned, are like stair betashilahim. If you don't water them, there's going to be a loss. So it says the Havi Kisteh betashilahim, the Psit, the Peseda Yetera Ika. Big loss. 
Correct. If it's a field that sustains itself on rainwater, you're not allowed to irrigate the whole field in Hala Mo'ed. There's no loss incurred. They weren't drinking regularly before the Mo'ed. There's no need to give them on the Mo'ed. Since you're not giving them regularly to, to drink, these, uh, um, these uh, uh, Zera'im, it's not going to cause a loss if you don't give them to drink on First, Hakamim allow you to give the whole field um, um, water, not only the trees. And number two, Okay, now, who's this opinion that says you can give irrigation on Holomet to a Beta Baal field? We know this opinion, Rabotai. We learned it early in the Mazikah, Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir was the one that said, it was the most lenient that you could actually irrigate even a bet habal. So that's the end of the Mishnah. Those hakamim that she reminds us is indeed the Rabbi Meir. Amar Yehuda, imayta sadeh metunenet mutar. So if this field over here is a naturally moist field, metunenet, and it dried up, so then it's permissible to water it. Amar Yehuda meaning that she had Amar Bi Diyazir. That you cannot give the whole field water. Meaning it's naturally a moist field, but it dried up. Here's the Hadush. Even though it's a Beta Baal field. But a Beta Baal field normally has enough water. Since it was moist until this point, they came all right. Since it was moist until this point, we're not going to let you irrigate it on Cholam because it has a moisture. But once it dried up, and you're not going to put it, uh, water on Cholam now already you're going to have a problem. So again, if the field was moist and then dried up, I don't care if it's a bit of battle field, it's going to be permissible. Very good. And it's going to be a permissible. And we have a bright to support this. Tanya Namahachi. That which we said you can't uh, uh, irrigate and give water. It's only talking about these types of plants that they didn't water them regularly before the But plants that were watered regularly, and if the field was naturally moist and dried up, it is permissible to water it. So therefore, you see clearly that the town of the Braita must be the opinion of Rabbi Lezben Yaakov, because he's the one that makes the difference, obviously, in our Mishnah, between plants that were watered from before or not. And we see that he allows also a Sadeh Metunenet. which again is Rabbi Meir, they allow everything. They allow, whether it's a dry field, whether it's an ordinary field, whether you planted it before, whether you watered it before or not, that is exactly our Mishnah. And we're seeing that the Braita includes in our interpretation a Sadeh that is a metuninit. Amaravina, another ruling. Shmamina, haitarbitza. Okay, what is a tarbitza? A garden. 
You could sprinkle some water on it on Hola Mo'ed. Where do you see anything from what we just learned that if you have a little garden that you'd be able to sprinkle it with water on Hola Mo'ed? Sadegarid Maitama. So they explain it. What's the reason why dry field, uh, it's okay? Sadegarid Maitama. Let's read Rashi. Shari le tarbutse. Le zalef. Le zalef means to sprinkle. Uh, Even though in this garden there's no peseda. Le tarbutse la shkot la shon emich abedim ben barbitsim ainu ashkaat purta. Kedeshi yitzu ayerko. You're just trying to get the um, yirakot to come out. Like it's going to say in the brighter. Fine. So there's a difference between mashkin and marbitsim. So it says, Sedegarir, regarding a dry field. So we said, what? The afla mishabele harfa. So on a dry field, what's the reason why it's permissible to uh, uh, irrigate it? Because afla mashabele harfa. It causes it to grow faster, which means a normally a late crop will become an early crop. Not because you're worried about then anything is going to get lost. But Achamim allowed a Sadegarid. Sadegarid is a dry field. And they allowed you to plant or to, to, to give water to this dry field. Even though it's not going to cause the said. So why they let you water it? They let you water it because it'll bring out the product quicker. Quick, quicker. quicker. So to in the garden, the sprinkling will turn a late crop into a early crop. The leka peseda. So we see over here now a new concept that it is permissible in order to motivate the growth of the item that will come out faster it is going to be permissible. Okay. Okay, now, of course, over here, we have a Tosfot, but this is Tosfot, we're going to read, yeah, we can read the beginning of the Tosfot, Shari le Tarbutze, you can sprinkle these, uh, these gardens. So it says over here, V'kashe ha-kaymana mishnat rabi ili'ezer ka-venaki. Correct. And our Mishnah is the Bili Ezeb bin Yaakov. And our Mishnah clearly said, in Moshim, it You cannot give water to the whole field. So therefore, why all of a sudden now are we lying to sprinkle a field? The Odik Shat was fought that Rabbi Nagufed himself forbade in order to thin out some of these uh, uh, um, vines. He only allowed you because if you're planning on eating it. But to make them better, no. This is not, this is not, this is not a loss, Rabotai. This is to cause the fruit to grow faster and better. There's a difference between watering, Tosfot says, and sprinkling. Even if he has my code that forbade to water a field, 
will allow you to sprinkle the difference. Because we're going to take the Rabbanan's leniency that they said, what? Which you can even water. We're not going to take that leniency for ourselves. But we're going to apply it to the Bili Ezeb and Yaakov. That's, um, that's one, uh, one approach of Tosafot. That what? That that which they were lenient by Hashka'ah, the Bili Ezeb and Yaakov be lenient by sprinkling, which is. So the Gemara says, wait. Ratanya, we don't have to buy it right now. Marbitzin ben ba-mo'ed, ben ba-shavi'it. You can do it both. Ben ba-mo'ed and even on Shemitah. Amar abuna la kashya. Har bili'ezer ben Yaakov. The bright that it said you can't sprinkle it on Cholam Mo'ed is the opinion of Rabbi'ezer ben Yaakov and Har Abbanan. And the other opinion that says you can sprinkle a bit Laban is the opinion of the Hachamim that will lean you. Let's see that she over here. That she says, Ha diktani. Abalo yashkem b'mahal b'ezim in Yaakov de'amar. Abalo yashkem kola sadekula. Ve'adetari b'mohel b'mshivi'it anu hachamim. Tematirim nashkot afilu kola sadeh, which is Rabbi Meir. So therefore we have a simple resolution. One is Rabbi Yazim Yaakov and one is Rabbi Meir. The two opinions basically of our Mishnah. Fine. We go to the Braita, Tanya Idach. Marbisin Stelaban Erev Shivirit. Okay, you're allowed to sprinkle a grain field with water. Erev Shemita. Kedeshi Yitzu Yirakot Beshivirit. So the vegetables will sprout during Shemita. Velod Elash Marbisin Stelaban Beshivirit. We just learned this as well. You can sprinkle a grain field with water during the Shemitah, Kedeshi Yitzu Yirakot. In order that the grains will grow and come out after Shemitah. Again, so the only thing that's forbidden and it comes out is you can't sprinkle during Shemitah so the fruit will come out during Shemitah. You can only sprinkle before for it to come out during Shemitah or after for it to come out after, but not during. Okay? So I guess the sprinkling does something. Matniti. Sadin eta ishut ve achbarim. Now we got a new item. Trapping these different types of um, creatures. So one is called ishut, one is called mice. Mestea ilan, mestea lavan. From any type of uh, field, whether it's uh, trees or it's grains. Kedarko, you can trap on cholam moed and in shemitah, b'moed b'shaviit, in the normal manner. You're allowed to trap. Why? Have said. It's causing a loss. Therefore, you can do the normal way of trapping. From a place of trees, you can trap in the normal manner. They make a difference. She says, Because it's a big loss. 
שדה לבן שלא כדרכו. ואין הוא יכול לצוד כדרכו בשדה לבן משום דלא מפסיד כולהי בשדה לבן. אוקיי, זה לא יכול להיות כזה לוס בשדה לבן. permissible. Okay, Gemara, technical question. My ishut, what is this ishut that you're allowed to trap? We never heard of this animal. Amar Yehuda, biriyash enna enayim. Okay, it's a type of creature that doesn't have eyes. I guess it just keeps on, you know, making holes in the ground from place to place. I better call it a mole, he says over here. The mole has tiny eyes, but sometimes it's covered by skin, so he can't see. Okay. Amar Rabah, Bar Yishmael, Vetim Arav Yemar Bashelem, yeah. Me'ekera, where do we know this, that the Ishut is unable to see? It says, Kemo shabbelul temes yahaloch nefel eshet balhazu shamesh. Like a snail <coughs> that melts and uh, slides away. So to the falling of an eshet. Eshet is this Ishut. Eshet. Eshet over here is Ishut. That never saw the sun. When you never saw the sun, because it's blind. Tarun Rabbanan. סדין את האישות ואת העכברים משדה הלבן ומשדה האילן, העכברים משדה הלבן ומשדה האילן כדרכו. The blight that says you can trap these items from a uh, tree, field, or a stela uh, ilan, or a stela laban, a uh, grains, normal way. ומחריבין חורי נמלים. You're allowed to destroy the holes of, uh, of the נמלים. These are ant holes. Kesad Maharibin. Okay, now we're going to get some uh, interesting info over here. Have you destroyed an ant hole? Rabban Shem Omi Gamliel Omer, Mevi Afar Mechorze Venoten Letok Chorze. Wow, you take dirt from one ant hole and you put it in the other one. And what happens as a result? Ven Chonkin Zeetze. The ants end up choking on each other or choke each other to death. Wow. Yes, they smell the foreign, uh, you know, the foreign dirt and they think they're getting attacked. So therefore, you, basically, you're, you're creating a civil war between the ants by putting the, uh, you know, uh, dirt on each other. It's kind of amazing. This only works when the two holes are on two sides of the river. There's no bridge crossing. And there's no plank even to cross. And there's no rope that stretches across. And what's the reason over there? So, let's read the Rashi. Rashi says on the bottom, Since there's such a hefsek of water, But if there's any way of transporting from one side to the other, they smell it already. And therefore they know what it is. Umitzra, he says, Vaadain katan migamla, okay, it's smaller than the plank, and yachol alechalav, and therefore, <coughs> there's not even a rope. Because if there's a rope, they can go back and forth. Ela koshin chevet achad mishte avrea nahar, and they just, uh, uh, they walk, it's like a narrow bridge they make from rope. 
But again, if any of these things exist, basically there's, there's access. And once there's access, they're aware of it, as she says, and therefore they know, they know what it is. Therefore, they're not gonna get, it's not going to work. So it's got to be basically an end told that is not known to the other one. Okay, Rabotai, we're doing the Tosfot team. We start with the Tosfot on Vav Amudrishon Im Yesid Benehem. So we said if you have a, uh, two rocks and you have a seed, limestone in between, so that limestone is an indication that there's Tum'ah between the rocks. And Tosfot just says, Hatziyun hu misid. Hatziyun actually was made from this limestone. Kedetan beperek hamishid emasesheni. Like we learned in the fifth perek of Masesheni, Umaytila beperek meruba. It's also brought down in the seventh perek of Baba Kama, where they learn over there that they use the limestone because it's like white, which looks like the white bones. And the imyes seed benehem, we said if there's seed between the stones, it's going to be tamer. Tosfot just points out, lo yadana kama. I don't know how much, which means, you know, how much seed is the indication. You know, how wide or how thick does the seed have to be to make this indication. And next Tosfot is afalgab deleka heres. Okay, now, we, our Gidisa actually was not like that. Our Gidisa was Teleka Horesh. Our Gemara was discussing, you know, even though uh, only in a case where you can indicate that it's not plowed. But if it's indicate that it's plowed, so then everybody don't have to be concerned. So our Gidisa was Horesh. But Tosfot had uh, the word Heres. Uh, this other item, harasit, is also like a marker, but it's not white like limestone. If it has this other item called harasit, so it's really not white. So on the contrary, if it has this harasit, that's an indication of tahara. To tell the people that uh, these avanim, that even though the stones are have seed, which is a sign of tumah, but between the stones, the reason why they use harasid is, uh, you know, an indication of tahara. That's why they use harasid, which is not really white. Sha'ad sham and bete kevarot. There's no problem of bete kevarot at that point over there. Okay, that's the way that Tosfot learns. And then the Gemara came along and said, Amara papa kishasid shafuk. Now, they're going to follow their girsah, the Tosfot. They, they have a girsah over here. What color is the marker in between the, <clears throat> in between the stones? So their difference is whether it was lime, which is white, or it is this harasit. And the harasit, we said, is a sign of tahara. So the Gemara's question was that Abi said that if there's no seed, in between, so it's tahor. So it's mashma that even though there's not a active sign of tahara, it just sounds like there's no sign of tumah. There's nothing there. But it's mashma that they didn't put actual a sign of harasit. But the braita sounds like, no, that actually has to be harasit, has to be something in between. That's the sign of tahara. But if there's nothing there, so even though there's no seed, so therefore it should be tameh. So it was fought. Uh, so, 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 and based on that question, Rapapa said, Pirush, Vadaiki le Kasid, Baharasit, Tehorin. Ah, 
For sure, if there's nothing there, for sure it's tahor. There's no seed, there's no chara seed. Why should I assume that there's going to be uh, tameh? There's nothing there. However, so then let's say if you have a lot of lime that they poured on the rocks and now it's dripping over the sides as sarik harasit. Then they must put harasit in between. Why? She'im yesh harasit. Then you say what? Yesh letlot. Shinatan netzida even harasit. Then you could assume that what? That they must have put harasit on the side of the rocks. Vas seed netchaberbo and the seed that was on the rocks got attached to it. Vetzarfu a seed shal rosho ima and became one, which means. <clears throat> they didn't put the seed over here for a sign of Tum'ah. It fell. And if we, that's why you see harasit over here, which is a good sign. Vim en harasit, then in Ken you have to assume what? Seed siyun bentayin. That seed that you see in between is to indicate. That's according to Tosafot. Very good. But he learned, it's not harisa, nothing. It's talking about plowing. Umifaresh binehem tahor, that when you say benehem tahor, the intikal la tumah, the havila kebesh nechrash, which means the bright as mashma, that im en benehem choresh. If let's say there's no indication of plowing in between, even though there's no seed in between them, so you have a problem. Why? Because since the rocks have seed, so therefore you have to assume that in between also is going to have a. Uh, but if the place, according to Rashi's way of learning, is actually Nehrash, so then already the rule is, even if uh, there was a Kevin there, we don't care, because it was plowed. So that was for S on Nashi. It's true, when a field was plowed, you don't have a problem of Ohel. But Tahor, Lo Havi. It's not tahor. The havi kimo sedesh in echadash ba kevet. It's not worse than we learned in yesterday's daf. You ever said there that they plowed a kevet in it? And we learned what? There's too much maga. There's too much masa. The shem. Maybe we can say tahor. When the gemara said tahor, it meant me ohel kamar. Okay, it meant just meant from tumat ohel. It didn't mean from all types of tumah. Ina me legamre al yedeh disha v'nipua. Or another answer we can say according to Rashi. It's totally tahor if you use the method of. Blowing. Remember we said you could blow the small bones away? So if you use that method, it'll be totally tahor. Inameh, when it said tahor, uh, it's totally tahor. Even though, again, there should be tumat maga of these little bones that were plowed. So it says over here, benehem, the ika tuva sefekot. Since we're talking about in between the stones, it's not a regular field. It's in between, the, we have a lot of sefekot, shari. It's going to be permissible totally. What are these sefekot that we have? Sefek, We don't know if there's a tziyun in between or not. And even if we're going to say what? That the tziyun on the stones is coming as a siman. Also for the in between. When he was plowed. So we have a sefek, it was there. And even if it was there, it was plowed. Umatsati, I found also, Mifaresh. Uh, why, if there's harisha in between the stones, it's totally tahor. The ashda salka data, the achi perushom, yesh ben choresh tahor, the vaday lo hayasham tum'ah. 
Right? That's the way we learned it in the Gemara. That for sure there was no Tumah there at all. Right? Nobody's plowing if there's going to be Tumah there. That's the way when we learned the Gemara, we explained it. That there's no Tumah there Because what are they going to plow? But Tosfor doesn't like it. Tosfor says, if that's the explanation, Vetemali. Have a question. <clears throat> that what? The Gemara brought a Braita that said what? Vim en seed benehem. If there's no seed between them, tahor. Now, that's mashma, even if it's not plowed. Now, the, the, and what was, what was the sida? The sida was from the bright above that said that it's got to be plowed. That if it's not plowed, it's going to be tameh. The sida was plowed. That if it's not plowed, one says it's tahor. And one says if it's not plowed, it's going to be tameh. We've could have asked uh, uh, another question a better question, that it says, if there's seed between them, it's Tameh. What do you mean? Even though there's Choresh. Even though it's plowed. And the second Braita Ketani, Okay, that's a, the technical part of the Tosafot. We will just uh, review. The main part of this Tosafot is that we have a uh, way of the Tosafot that's learning. The Tosafot is learning over here uh, according to his girsah where it was harasit in between. And then he brings down Rashi's girsah that was horesh. So we have the two different ways of learning this Gemara.